Come on, you can do better than that. Yeah, I was gonna say how. You're like, you're like this. You're like, hi, this is Noah Burns. <laughs> yeah, watch- no, say it like you said. No. Hey, this is Noah Burns. You're watching BMX in your blood. You're listening to BMX in your blood. Like there you're you normal, the way you normally act. Oh, hi, this is Noah Burns. Oh, hi, this is Noah Burns. You're listening to BMX in our blood. <laughs> say it the way you normally say it. Yeah, you hey, say it. you do it. Like you're fighting. You do it. I do it all the time. No, you do it. Yeah, well, he probably... <laughs> it's funny because your dad is going to be doing that. Hi, this is Noah Burns. And you're listening to BMX in our blood. So, have fun! We're gonna use that. <laughs> I like it because you showed so much emotion outside of that. It went like you're like, ah! and you're running into the other room when you don't have to do anything because they can't see you. You're just using your voice. And when you first do it, you're like nervous mm-hmm. because you're like, oh god, and then you're like, nobody can see me. It's just my voice. <laughs> and think about it like telling a story, like how many movies you listen to. And there's like an awesome dialogue of something that tells a story. It's the same as you. That's right. Like we're going to Iceland in three months, me and Noah. Yeah. And we're going to make like a little movie out of it. And oh, we nice. went to Spain two years ago. Like we take all these trips. Mm-hmm. We have footage from a bunch of trips. Oh, so I'm always okay. like, we can do something and do voiceovers. So this is practice to do a voiceover. Voiceover is the, talk, the talking as the movie's playing. Hey everyone, this is Curtis Cantwell from Powers Bike Shop. Just wanted to let y'all know, if you need anything BMX related, hit us up at powersbikeshop.com and you can even get free shipping off any order over $100 with promo code POWERMOVE. Brett Downs. Hi Joe. (laughs) Welcome to the BMX in our blood. Thanks. Sorry this took so long, Uh, but uh, we're getting it done. Yeah, that's all right, man. I got yeah. I got a little bit of time left in me. <laughs> I think we all we all think the same thing. I keep, you know, I know it not to be true, but staring staring down at fifty, you've done it. Is uh, it's a little if you think about it too much, it's it it becomes ridiculous. Uh, but if you don't think about it enough, you may not take some of the chances that you want to while you still can. I I, you, I tell everybody I was never forty nine years old. I was almost fifty for a year. <laughs> And um, literally, almost to the day, six months before my birthday, Uh I realized, holy shit, if you're doing anything at 50 years old, you're a badass. And I was like, I'm still doing stuff. This is cool. And the other big revelation was I realized, at best, I've got 20 good years left in me. 20 years, I'm like, I'll be 70, but I'm probably going to be pretty huckled by 70. Sure. So I got 20 good years. Make them good years. Mm-hmm. Like, do everything you want to do. Like, live it to the fullest. Mm-hmm. And that's what got me over the hump of the dread of turning 50. You know, my 50th birthday, my son and I went down to FDR and I did a backflip on a concrete skate park on my 50th birthday. Not talking resi, not talking foam pit. Concrete. Yeah. On your was, 50th birthday. Yeah, it was funny because uh, Van Homan was there and mm-hmm. he was tripping out. Yeah. So I asked him what he's going to do on his 50th, and he said probably a handrail. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's perfect, you know. This is where I I show my lack of knowledge. Um, I don't know. I don't think Van was ever a flipper, was he? No, a couple of years ago down in Richmond, Mm -hmm. he did a flip in a big mulch pile, and everybody was shocked. 
Oh, maybe I'm not like, too he, far off. He then. can do it, but he doesn't do it. I guess that's what I'm thinking. I'm like a guy that has that much skill has to have at least tried it. I'm sure, yeah. but he, it's not something I see him doing when I see him. So it's it's just something I, I didn't know. But anyway, so it's cool that he was there to watch it, and I would imagine it, it did. It well, did flip him out a little it, bit. It was funny because he was actually filming for props. They were doing a day in the life of Van Homan, oh, and they right, just right. happened to be there. So he actually put me in his prop segment, oh, which was really cool of him. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Uh, he's a good dude, and he's almost, uh, <laughs> you're almost there, man. <coughs> Olympics are almost here. You're almost ready to come home. So you know how these podcasts go, and uh, I think that... I guess if you think about it the the way you would as a listener, it uh, the whole you know from the first curb cut to getting your first real bike, that part you get you get what um, what age were you when you started? Um, when I'll you, just I'll just sum this up real quick. Okay. I asked my mom. Yeah. When did I actually like put the board? on the cinder block in the backyard yeah, like yeah, yeah. build a ramp not curbs or anything like actually board on the cinder block I like that better she More. said she said 1972 wait a minute wow because I, I was born in 70s so that means you had to have been uh, five uh, it was before my fifth birthday yeah um, I right after I learned to ride I immediately went to board on the cinder block because evil can evil there there was right. no BMX right there was you know like kids today say oh you know I saw the X games I'm like no BMX didn't exist like I saw evil can evil yeah um, so my goal now is to make it to 2022 and that's an even 50 years mm-hmm. of jumping my bike and straight I never quit I never yeah. stopped other than a couple of injuries where I was out for three months mm-hmm but so you have, it's been you have three years left for that. Yeah, so our 2022 will be 50 years of BMX. Uh huh. That's awesome. And and you know, um, I think one of the reasons we we both wanted to talk is there's so I don't know of anyone that's been. You could name off people because you you could you're connecting with people uh, that are closer to your age. Although I'm close, but I also have that big gap. So uh, do you have? Uh, friends that are also, well, I mean, DMC, you know, there's, yeah, a, there's I, a little bit of I, crew. I've, I, like, I've talked to Dennis. Mm-hmm. Dennis started jumping after me. Mm-hmm. Volker, it, Volker and Dennis are both like 11 months older than me. Oh, okay. They started jumping after me. Mm-hmm. Moliturno might have been around the same time, but I think Rick has taken some time off riding over the years where, like, he's not been doing it. But, I mean, when I say riding, I'm, like, a few t- going out a few times a week, mm-hmm. every week, right. for going on 49 years now. So, right. that's right. a lot. I think it's pretty cool that now we're at the wheel mill. They're always so gracious and give me space whenever I need it to record and and I, we're here on the welcome jam weekend these guys do it right and raised last weekend for the old fools jam they they did an awesome job Shane in particular that runs that old fools but these parks are amazing and, and you know if that comes up in conversation again later that's great uh, but the parks are definitely definitely uh, they're serving the public well that's for, that's for sure and the people that work for them are serving us well 
Yeah, but, um, it's no, it's phenomenal. Like I was just outside talking to a lady, and her four-year-old daughter is push biking mm-hmm. around the ramps, and she's like, "This is amazing! Like it's so good for the kids." And I was like, "Yeah, nothing wrong with tired kids." And she just laughed. Mm-hmm. And um, it's well, just we're both parents; we know that, right? Yeah, you know, it's just an amazing resource that people have now, and you know, for any skill level, mm, right? You know, it's just something weird to do. I've been, it didn't take me long to, to fit right back in there because I, because of exactly what you're saying. As soon as I got a taste of what I, what I missed, I identified with what I was missing. It was this piece of cake to want, you know, to want this and recognize the good that I may not have seen back then, which of course, you know, that, that makes you think about BMX differently, but yeah, it, and it, it's tough. Because when you're in the mix and you're younger, mm-hmm. you know, you feel so vibrant and vital. Mm-hmm. And then you get older and mature and just, you know, life experiences changes your perspective so much. Mm-hmm. So riding's a totally different thing now. It's, it's weird because in some ways it's a 40-year-long session to me that never <laughs> ends. But like the session is the same, but I keep evolving. And, you know, I still get the same thrill and enjoyment Mm-hmm. But I've got a different perspective than a lot of people, and um, you know, it's just comes from age and experience in life. Sure. And I'm glad you do because a lot of people can hear that; they'll hear it today on the podcast. Uh, but you're you're at a lot of events. You're, I, I would say, we're always at the same events because a we both we pick the same one, so we know which one <coughs> which ones are are, are good and and you know, satisfying to go to and, you know, the vibe's good and, you know, the right things are happening. I think we're, we're doing the best we can with what we have and it's fun. Yeah. And, uh, Just, you know, any, something like this where I'm here to participate, but more importantly, support the people putting on the event. Um, I've been doing BMX events forever. Uh, you know, started doing shows in 1985. I mean, my literally, my first shows by the time I was 10, I had done two stunt shows on my bike for the neighborhood kids, like with an evil Knievel cape jumping over big wheels. So, like, that was in elementary school in the mid-70s. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started doing, you know, proper BMX shows in 1985. My friends and I did organize the York Jam, which was the first BMX jam. Mm-hmm. No contest, no competition, no entry fees, no nothing. Just show up with your friends and ride. We did that in 1990. Um, I just started planning the New York Jam. Mm-hmm. So this is the 30th anniversary. Oh, so wow. We've been doing this event that long that I understand what it takes and what goes behind. And I appreciate it so much when people show up. Mm. So with something like the Wheel Mill or right. down at Powers Bike Shop, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to go there. I want to support them. I'm going to mm-hmm. contribute. I'm going to help out any way I can. I'm going to spend some of my money there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ride. I'm going to have a good time. And uh, I think that's the commonality that we have. What I what I like about it is when, whenever you and I talk about this, is you're, you're often talking about. Well, first of all, you're. you're let me do this first because I'll, I'll lose my train of thought. But every every time we're at an event, you're mo- it's it's clear that you are most interested in making sure that everyone's everyone that you can reach is having a good time 
because you want them to experience what you experienced when they were when you were their age, let's say. Uh, so you, I believe it's pure what you're doing. And the reason I say that is because you're you're not concerned with whether it's you're not doing it because you have to for work. I don't know how else better to say it, and it's clear. Why don't we do that? Why don't we talk a little bit more uh, in depth about the about some things you do through work, and uh, in, in what exactly your work is? Yeah, well, my job is I'm a sales rep for Sparky's Distribution, which does Sabrosa, The Shadow Conspiracy, Rant, BMX, and we distribute Bone Death. Um, basically, my job is I sell bikes to bike shops um, east of the Mississippi, except for Florida, is my territory. Mm-hmm. So my days, I work from home. It's phone calls and emails. Um, I've been working in the bike industry since 2007. Todd Lyons mm. got me a job with SE um, originally. Um, I've worked with a few different companies. Uh, so it's you know cool that BMX is my life. Mm-hmm. You know at work and you know professionally and recreationally. Right. Um, and basically, I went to your first you know find your fight jam. Mm-hmm for Scotty and I was like, okay, I'm going. And then the next year I told the guys at Sparky's, I'm going anyway. Do you want me to send, set up a tent and display product? Yeah. I'm going to be there anyway, mm-hmm. utilize me. Right, right. So, and I always, you know me, I always offer the space. You don't have to pay for it. Just, you know, right. you can't, so, it's not a selling event. You're promoting it for the bike shop. Right, right? and you know, and I, uh, you know, I get I work on commission. So if I promote the product, I can when I travel, I stop and visit some shops. Sure. Um, you know, I supply the bike shop here at the wheel mill with all their shadow and sabrosa goods. Uh, okay. So I'm in here doing inventory for a couple hours, taking care of business. But yeah. you know, so it's a work trip. But mm-hmm. I'm going to be here anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, so yes, it's going to help me financially. But you know, it's just a little bit of commission. But the main thing is, I just I want to share the enthusiasm I have. Um, Sparky's brands are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I ride their parts. I use their parts. Great people. I mean, mm-hmm. I first got off of the job and I was like, wow, get a chance to help Ronnie Bonner out? Of yeah, course. Right. I'll take it. No brainer. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's great. I appreciate it when you, when you do things like participating in, in the events that I've done. And I also, uh, you know, you're working for a guy that that has always been in it, deep in it, and uh, what could be better than that? Because he understands. It's not like he's not paying attention. He's paying attention to everything, which is because he's into it. Yeah, he's you he's know. credible. Yeah, oh yeah, he proved that for years, yeah. right? So I know you. Uh, so you. you 2007, you said you started repping, and it was SE. Well, I, I wasn't a rep originally. Todd lives in Huntington Beach, California, mm-hmm. and SE and their parent company that also owned Fuji mm-hmm. was nine miles from my house in Northeast Philadelphia. Really? So Todd was in town, and I gave my number. I said, hey, give me a call when you're in town. We'll take you out to the dirt jumps. Mm-hmm. Next time he was in town, he gave me a call. So my yeah. friend Bob and I went, and we took Todd out riding, and he showed us SE, and he's like, you know a lot about bikes. Do you want a job? 
<laughs> and I was like, I just took a job. Right. A year later, he yeah. says, hey, do you want a job? Right. And I was like, yeah, I'll take it. Right. So basically, I was Todd's right-hand man. Yeah. He was the brand manager or product manager. Mm -hmm. um, so I did a little bit of what Todd was doing. I was helping him. And, um, you know, Todd lives in California. Every other month, he'd come to Philadelphia for a week or two. Uh-huh. So my boss was on the other side of the country and they stuck me in the marketing department because they didn't know what to do with me. And uh -huh. I ended up, you know, working with the marketing for, you know, Fuji road bikes and mountain bikes. And they brought the Kestrel mm -hmm. carbon fiber bike brand. Oh, wow. Um, so I started st learning all this other things. All my buddies at work were all mountain bikers. I got into mm -hmm. mountain biking. But, um, you know, so I did marketing, then I did product, mm -hmm. then I did sales and warranty inside. This is all for SE? Yeah, with SE, Fuji, Breezer, mm -hmm. Kestrel. Oh, I'm sorry, SE companies. Yeah, and then um, when I left there, I took another job as an outside rep where I was in the car driving, you know, two to 400 miles a day, every day. Did that for a few years, and um, mm, that's hard. now I'm with Sparky's. Yeah, it's awesome now. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't have a commute. My commute is, you know, six feet from my bed to my desk. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so... Uh, and I'm not driving my car into the ground. Sure. But, um, so I've got experience working in the industry uh -huh. in all facets, you know, whether it's production, sales, warranty, marketing, design. Mm -hmm. um, it, the, the glove fits really well. Yeah, right. So I'm fortunate to be in there and I'm still an enthusiastic rider. So, right. you know, when I'm at events, I can mm -hmm. kind of wear two hats. Right. So, Somewhere in there, Haro, right? Mm -hmm. You were a rep for Haro. Uh, what kind of repping was that? Um, that was working as an outside sales rep, visiting bike shops. It was Eastern PA, Jersey, Delaware, uh -huh. uh, this New York City, Long Island. Um, it was really good to get out and actually be out in the world and talk to bike shop owners. We sold all kinds of bikes. Yeah. So, it, you know, it was a good learning experience for me, but also... Um, I got to be very involved in stuff and I got hired and started literally the same day as Scottish John, the brand manager over there. Like he oh, and I yeah, met like yeah. at our first day at Haro. No way. And um, we just hit it off right away. We're like, oh my God, I think I've known this guy my whole life. Mm -hmm. And um, John... He's about your age, right? No, he's a few years younger. Everyone's a few years younger. <laughs> right, right. Anyway, yeah. So, so you know, we we worked well together, and um, you know, had similar passions, similar mm -hmm. drive, similar background in riding, and um, you know, I told him right away, oh, we've got to do a double top tube flatland frame. Uh huh. And after a year and a half, he said, I don't have time to do it. I Would said, that have I'll been reissuing the master? Yep. Okay, because so, the master was twin. Too, right. Right. So, and I said, hey, you've got to do it. Yeah. So, um, basically, John didn't have time, and he gave it to me. So, I um, I got to redesign the Harrow Master. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not my design. It's kind of right. updated what Bob did. Mm -hmm. But I was like, dude, coming from an old BMXer, what could be greater right. than getting to do that? Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I've, I've talked, you know, worked with other companies on other projects, mm -hmm. you know, designing bikes. Um, you know, with Fuji, I designed an early 27 and a half inch mountain bike uh -huh. wheel. Um, I've got a prototype frame at my house, right. like from 2008, mm -hmm. when nobody in the industry was making those bikes. Right. But I jumped on that just because 
I said in 1982, BMX was 20-inch wheels and 26. Mongoose came out with the 24, and within a year, the 26-inch wheel died. Yeah. I saw the same thing in mountain bikes. You put a middle-sized wheel in there, that would do the job better. Yeah, right. And it turns out I was right. Yeah, that's good. Uh, they, they must have done some repositioning, I would think. Did, did they get bought out or, or, or actually they haven't they have they were bought out Bob Harrow sold it right and then yeah what, Bob, Bob Harrow sold it in the late 80s and, and we'll switch to shadow I promise yeah no no yeah because <laughs> I Bro, do want to talk yeah, about no, shadow <laughs> yeah so do I um, no but Harrow basically you know Bob builds up a company comes up with an idea says hey What's something that doesn't exist that needs to exist? Mm-hmm. And he does that, whether it was the original number plate or the freestyle bike or his backpacks, graphic uh, graphics for go-kart racing. He sees an empty slot and he fills it. Uh, he builds up yeah. a company till it's doing really well. Mm-hmm. Someone makes him an offer and he says, okay. So that's what he did with Haro Bikes. And he had a five-year deal, apparently, to you know help and design. And then he had a non-compete clause. So then okay. when he walked away from Haro, he couldn't be in the BMX industry for X amount of years. I don't think I'd ever sign one of those. A nine can be for five years. In uh, well, I don't know. I, I don't know the exact details, mm-hmm. but I know Bob was out of it. And um, I think the Gravity Games in Providence, maybe like 98 or 99, mm-hmm. 99, I guess. Bob Harrow showed up and I was like, holy crap, Bob, how you doing? And he just started kind of tiptoeing his toes mm-hmm. back in, you know, mm-hmm. to the BMX world. And... Um, you know, so Haro sold the company. The company ran it for a few years. Uh-huh. Then another company bought it, and then brought about Dave Mira to the whole iconic. Uh, okay. Dave all Mira right. years and everything. And this was all before you started there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started. I like I started with SE in 2007 and Haro in 2012 and Sparky's in 2016 which I'm really stoked at because, again, Ron Bonner, awesome dude. I mean, UGP, like, who couldn't love that stuff? Right, right. Um, Ryan Schur, always a huge fan of him. Yeah. Like, always a huge fan of his riding. And, you know, finally, after seeing him in videos, magazines, and all that, and mm-hmm. I met him at Interbike one year at the Double Down, which he probably doesn't remember that night. <laughs> um, but he was just, like, phenomenal rider. And I'm yeah. like, he started his own brand. And I was like... I totally respect these two guys. Yeah. I got to get the chance to work with them. Like, it doesn't get better than that. Right, right. Hey, I, I love them too. I mean, I, the first, my first contact with, with Ryan was, I mean, it's just simple Instagram contact because obviously I have nothing to do with the bike industry. Uh, I don't, I, I hope everyone is pretty clear on that. I have nothing to do with the bike industry. I just like talking about it. And, and well, and, and I like, you know, putting the, Putting the shine on people that uh, can tell the story uh, in another way, in their own way, I should say. But anyway, I posted on Instagram a video of Evansville, Indiana, and he was in the infield. So he messages me and he goes, I I think I've been at a few places that you were at. And I was like, probably, where are you? And I, I forget exactly how it went, but yeah, I, yeah. I watched it again. I'm like, oh, there you go. I forget. Yeah. He's wearing a white T-shirt or something. So it, that, uh, when I got back into it, uh, made everything start to click. That wow, there's a lot of the the same people are there, but but I didn't know them before because he was probably who knows, 16, yeah. 17, and yeah. I was 25. Yeah. And, 
whatever. But oh, he was a really nice guy. We're all connected. I mean, we mm-hmm. like you know, screw the six degrees of separation. We're one or two in the MX. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it's, it, yeah, no. but yeah, but it, it's really cool. Like I was saying before we started, did you ever ride the old Clinton trails back mm-hmm. in '88 in Long Island? And you're like, yeah. We have this weird thing, like okay, you know, we mm-hmm. did this, um, but you just you meet everybody, you know. I, going to Interbike when I met Scottish John, right. we're introducing each other to people, right? All right. And he's like, "Hey, this is David from Fly Bikes. Uh-huh. Do you know him?" And I was like, "Yeah, uh, like 1998, we rode at Chenga World. You just started Fly Bikes. You had a standard with Fly Bike sticker, and there was an Australian guy taking pictures of me. He's like, oh, that was you, uh-huh. you know.' And then uh, we meet." The guys from Colony, uh-huh. like, oh, do you know him? Yeah, I was like, yeah, um, you know, nineteen ninety four, we stayed at Keith King's house, and mm-hmm. then went up to the contest in Richmond, Virginia. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, that was you. So it's like, yeah, yeah. like we we all yeah. know each other. Yeah, I guess that, I guess what we're kind of talking about is we don't even realize we're at the same spot at the same time, you know. But, but, but now people seem to connect more. Than, yeah, than we, and, and again, I think part of that is just maturity because we're not yeah. so self-centered as in our teens or twenties. Yeah. Um, but also, like that's reason. That's why you'd be cool to people. Yeah. You have to be right. cool to people, and because everybody knows everybody else, it's a small community, and mm-hmm. you know, God knows we need the help. Like you just right. let's just be cool to each other. Sure. It's the it's the best way to go, and and I think the way it's uh, going right now. And again, you have to uh, correct me if I'm wrong in this. I think m- most of the the bigger companies that are doing well, they're really invested in it. Personally, how many how many manufacturers are there that are that are really say how how many brands are there now? Uh, I mean, there's there's, like there's over eighty wet. BMX brands. There's still over there, eighty. There, there's total. there's tons. You're talking Some of them, racing. Yeah. Oh, well, in racing, it's probably 80 because everybody's making, you know, a seat post or handlebar or, or sprockets. But you were talking just freestyle. Yeah. But, but just, but just in general. Um, yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody is pretty invested. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I've become a firm believer in, you know, think about who you're giving your money to. Mm-hmm. Don't just look at the product. Right. But think about who you're giving the money to. Mm-hmm. And that that's become a huge part of my life, and mm-hmm. you know whether it's in BMX or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, people are chipping in a lot. Some people are chipping in a lot. Some people are chipping in a little. There are a few companies mm-hmm. that are chipping in nothing. Right. You really need to think about that because it is important. Um, it's like go to your local bike shop. Sure. Because if you don't go to your local bike shop, they're not going to carry BMX, or they're going to close up, and then you're screwed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I you know I tell people all the time I'm like I can go to the auto parts store and buy buy a water pump, mm-hmm. or I can order a water pump online, but right. that doesn't mean I can put it in. You can order anything you want over the internet. Sure, but at some point someone's going to have to build that wheel for you. Yeah, sure. You know, or they're going to have the tool to remove your cranks when you don't. Right. It's really important where you spend your money. Is that starting to change at all? Because the bike uh, industry does, but that—that's our circle mm-hmm. says that. Seventeen-year-olds so don't think that way. Right. Seventeen-year-olds no, are like, I want what no. I want, and I want it now. I—I I, I put everything in a in a paradigm and a perspective. Um, mm-hmm. I went to college. I actually got a degree teaching. I taught ninth grade social studies. Mm-hmm. I've got a degree in social studies, which is all the soft sciences. 
And I really, you know, I look at people in scenes and think about the psychology, the sociology behind these. And, um, yeah, that's the thing. It's funny because, like, being the old guy riding, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm friends with Shane Hallahan, you know. I'm like right, following right. a nine-year-old yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. And we're riding together, but it's just what right. his experiences and mine are completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, hard answers, they're coming from my perspective. Mm-hmm. They're not coming. I can't say anything in general for people. I just try and be the old BMX sage and mm-hmm. just give, you know, sensible advice when asked. How about the bike shop thing? Because maybe that's the direction I, I, I should reword it. Are the, that conversation, is it happening with the, the bike shops? And are they getting, are people shopping locally more? Or is it just uh, continually just moving toward online? No, I mean, people are used to, you know, sitting at home in their underwear and buying whatever they want. Right. Um, and again, I'm, I'm the analogy master. I tell people, like, if you want to buy a pair of Vans online, mm-hmm. you know what size you are. Mm-hmm. You can just order them. You're not going to get in your car, drive to three different stores, and try and find the exact Vans you want. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a wedding mm-hmm. and you're going to buy a suit, right. you don't buy that online. You go to the store. Mm-hmm. I tell people it's the same thing with bikes. I said if they're just buying a $79 bike so their 8-year-old has something to ride to the park, yeah. they'll buy that online. If you want a high-performance bike, you're going to spend you know, five, eight. $3,000 on a bicycle, you better get your butt in the shop and mm-hmm. make sure it's right. Right. All the bicycle manufacturing companies very much push buy local from the bike shop. Mm-hmm. Now, almost all the bike manufacturing companies, you can go to their website and buy whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Click and collect, they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really important because what we do is we say, okay, here's a dealer near your house. We're sending the bike. They're going to build it. You have to go to that shop and pick it up. So that way it's a compromise. Ah, I got you. It's okay. like I'm not sending a bike in a box to a kid's house. You know, yeah. we're, we're doing that. So it keeps the local dealer happy. They'll keep buying our product. Okay. It gets them a new customer. Right. And it, it's actually less liability because mm-hmm. we know professional mechanics are assembling the bike. Right. So it's a win-win. And yeah. that's, that's the way the bicycle industry has been handling it. And we, we push it towards shops. Mm-hmm. It sounds. It sounds like it's working, and, and I, I know it's hard to quantify this kind of stuff. But gen, the general feeling is, uh, it, it seems like it's that you're you guys are doing everything you possibly can, and and hopefully it's showing. I did want to ask you about because this is going to lead to different some disciplines of BMX. It's going to lead to to maybe some different answers uh, that that you may know, maybe you don't. How would you rate at this at this given time? Uh, the the disciplines uh, most popular to least popular, uh, which ones? Where do they stack up? I mean, whether you know, racing, park, uh, street, yeah. uh, dirt, you know. Um, without a doubt, street is the biggest thing. I mean, if you just look at the product that's out there, mm-hmm. it's street oriented product. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Honestly, street riding is phenomenal because it's accessible. Right. You don't need anything mm-hmm. other than just get out and ride your bike. Mm-hmm. Um, so it only makes sense. You don't have to, you know, build trails for half the year to ride for a quarter of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to go to a skate park. So street is has got to be number one. After that, I'd probably say you know park riding. 
mm-hmm. because you know there's parks and you know it's just fun. Right, right. Um, you know, next, you know, I'd say probably maybe BMX racing has the most people mm-hmm. into it. Trails, sure. F- flatland and then vert. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. There's there's a few guys out there that are, you know still ride vert. And, Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an accessibility issue that you were talking about that the street doesn't have yeah, a know, problem with. I mean, you know, they like, you know, Zach Newman was right. like, I got to find a vert ramp and that's where I'll live. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's weird. I, I ride everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got experience riding all forms of BMX. And it's it's funny because I, I fit in with all the different worlds. Like, I can hang out with my race buddies. I can hang out at the trails. I know mm-hmm. flatland guys. I know, you know, I go ride vert with Jamie Bestwick at Woodward. Mm-hmm. You know, ride flatland with some of the best guys in the world. You know, go out street riding. Mm-hmm. You know, go to the parks. It, you know, it's, it's it's kind of a weird question for me because to me it's all the same thing. Yeah, right, right. The, honestly, it, you know, it's street. And if you look at, you know, good rule of thumb, look at the bike geometry. Mm-hmm. It's street oriented. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at, you know, the geom- I'm a bike nerd, so I look at the geometry charts mm-hmm. of everything. Mm-hmm. It's street-oriented. Yeah. It, it, it really is. And, you know, it's funny because the park bikes now, yeah. they're actually twitchier mm-hmm. than some flatland bikes now. Uh-huh. And coming from a guy that, you know, rides 90% of my riding's flatland. Uh-huh. But I've also, like, done double double backflips. Like, I know what big jumping is. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they do it right. on, on these right. crazy park bikes. Yeah. So, right. yeah, every, you know, everything is street-oriented, and then it kind of, you know, mm-hmm. trickles away. If You know, the, the industry follows trends. It always has. It always will. Right. And right. Um, it's kind of weird because mm-hmm. part of that is you're chasing the dollar. Bottom yeah. line, it's still business. Yeah. You know, we love BMX, but everybody has bills to pay so sure. you have to remember and when you guys have your hardcore attitude out there it's business right too. right oh, absolutely those are tough uh you know as we sit here in, in two chairs in the back part near their their spin room here at the wheel mill which is amazing by the way i i wish i had this close to me yeah um, and i taught spin for a while so i'm looking at the bikes i'm like this is so cool because did you did you check it out? Oh yeah, no, I was here when they first put it in. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, yeah. it's what you can do. What you can actually, you can, the effect of you pedaling is tangible. You could see exactly what you're doing. Yeah. You know, you're pushing out. Yeah. Watts. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, the generating electricity for the building yeah. by having a spin class. It's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm sure uh, Harry's happy with it. Hopefully, uh, people are using it. But anyway. Um, I was just talking about this facility and I forgot why. The one that I missed earlier, just real quick, is uh, the, the amount of people, amount of guys riding at a fairly high level. I didn't get to finish that before, but you know whether it be uh, Gary Laurent or uh, oh man, it just goes on and on. There's 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 quite a, yeah. there's quite a few considering that most of us thought that riding at that age when we were 20 would be insane. It's it's suicide to be riding a bicycle. Yeah. Like that, no, you know, at fifty, and these guys are in. There's, you know, definitely some guys. Gary is, he's well, a madman. Gary mm. Laurent is a madman. He's so mm. good. He is. He's older than me. Yeah. You know, Rich Bartlett and I are the same age. Oh, I mean, I'm glad you brought Rich. Rich, yeah. Rich is 
phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was down in Florida, um, ran into Pete Bruno, who's an old racer. I mean, from the early '80s. Yeah. You know, he worked in the industry, worked for MCS. Yeah, rad dude. Like, ran into him at Abacoa Skate Park. You know, and he's mm-hmm. doing look back 360s out of the bowl. Really? Yeah. You oh, know, wow. and, you know, That's here's cool. guy in his mid 50s. So right. Right. It's weird. Like, I'm pretty stoked because I'm like, we're the first generation yeah. to keep doing it. Right. We don't know where the age limit mm-hmm. is. Whereas when we were teenagers coming up, you know, pro racers were making $100,000 a year, but they're like, well, I'm 25 and I'm married. I better get a real life. Yeah. yeah. You know? Right. right. And, you yeah. know, now I'm like, dude, 25 to 35 right. is your prime years. I think the vet, the vet pro racing class starts older than what they were thinking then, the pros yeah. then. It, and it's competitive as, as heck. It's well, crazy. I, I found, seriously, like, but like I, I don't know how old you were when you took your hiatus, but from 25 to 35, 28 you're, I was, you're yeah. in phenomenal physical shape, but mm-hmm. you've got so many years under your belt, you just know how to ride. Mm-hmm. And like it bums me out when I see people going, yeah, I'm getting old, I'm 24, I'm getting kind of old. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you have so many good years left. You're, you right. haven't even hit your prime. Right. Um, you know, and you know, bottom line, if you want to be a good rider, it just comes down to hours on the right. bike. Yeah. yeah, you know, and um, yeah. it's cool. Like I've got a million hours. Mm-hmm. Butcher's got a million hours. Yeah, Dennis McCoy's got a million hours. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's awesome. But don't don't think of it as an age thing. And when you got to go, I don't know what that. If you need that, you can grab uh-huh. it. Doesn't matter. But yeah, it's it's it. Age doesn't matter, you know. I, I feel bad because a lot of guys, like Dennis McCoy, has complained. He lost sponsorship money because at the first X Games in '95, they're calling him the grandfather of the sport. So companies don't want to invest in him. And you know, people like you know Stu Thompson, he retired and he still had good time. Mm-hmm. But he was just like, yeah, oh, it's time to retire. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And you know, some guys like Gary Ellis, mm-hmm. he raced until he was pretty old. Right. You know, good yeah. for him. You know, Greg Hill retired. Eric Roop retired, and then they got back into it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but right. apparently, I'll let you know when we find the age limit. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I'm happy to say it is difficult to to find the age limit because we're completely just learning this as we go, as each year progresses, and and all of a sudden, you know, each new year I see you, you see me, you know, we keep seeing each other, so that's a good sign. You know, another year, another year down of having fun. Yeah. Well, one of, one of the things, Joe, yeah. you're out riding. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know you back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably rode together, you know, after an Egg Harbor National sure. over at Clay's house. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I was there. You were probably there. Yeah, yeah, um, that's, that's But I see the old pictures and videos of you. I'm like, damn, this guy was good. Oh, I was like, yeah. you could jump. You had some good jumps. Mm-hmm. Like, totally respect that. But the thing is now, like, you're still riding. Yeah, and that—that's what's cool. Yeah, and um, and that's the way I feel. I don't. Yeah, know. and you know we're never going to ride like we did when we were twenty-five, but who cares? We're still doing it now, and yeah. that—that's awesome. Yeah, and and we don't have anything to prove. You know, we're just having fun with it. My my big thing is just passing on as much fun as I can, and I'm I'm doing my best at educating, uh, you know, people that don't know about, and this is what we can get into next. Uh, different disciplines so you, you know you try to help people understand that that BMX is is not just one thing BMX can be a lot of different things 
Flatland. What what brought you to Flatland and at what age? Um, well, you started to tell me. I yeah, think, I mean, but I flat. It. Flatland, you know, BMX Action Magazine. You know, like you'd see how-tos of a rock walk, front wheel hops, curb endos. So we, everybody learned it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, 1984, spring, Freestyle Magazine's first issue came out. And we're like, oh, yeah. Like, this is good. And, like, I, I did whatever tricks I had seen in the magazine. and But then again, in the 70s, mm-hmm. I, was, I could do wheelies better in the 70s than I can now. Mm-hmm. But I was standing on the, my banana seat doing seat wheelies in mm-hmm. the 70s. Right. Um, so, like, there were always tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as we got into the whole freestyle boom in the mid-80s, you know, Flatland, every month there were new tricks. And mm-hmm. my friends and I started riding more Flatland because there were a lot of tricks to learn. And sure. inadvertently, you'd make things up. So, you know, you'd get together on the weekends and you'd be showing your buddy, hey, look at these three new moves I came up with. Right. And he'd be like, well, look at these three new moves. And mm-hmm. it was just fun. Yeah. You know, we were still, you know, going out street riding, jumping stuff, going to the, the abandoned skate park, riding the quarter pipe. Mm-hmm. But the ground tricks were awesome because I could just do it in my garage in the winter. I could go out in front yeah. of the house and just practice rolling backwards down the street. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. Um, so yeah, you know, flat accessibility. Flat, yeah. yeah, Flatland is been. It, it's funny. It's kind of a safety valve because I know like someday I'm going to have to stop jumping, but Flatland will always be there. Yeah. But it's just been such a passion. It's so damn fun. Um, mm-hmm. I go out and I see a beautiful empty parking lot. And to me, that's a blank canvas. It's yeah. like, what am I going to do with this? It's mm-hmm. like the first time you show up at a set of trails and you're looking at all the lines trying to figure out what you're going to do. I do that in a parking lot. Yeah. 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 Right. There was something that Van Holman said when I did his podcast, and I thought it was so cool. And he said, uh, "You're never gonna." I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically said, "You're you're never gonna believe what group of um, not riders, but group of of athletes I respect the most that are using the same parks that anyone that rides Parkwood." Uh, and he said, in line skating. And he said, those guys, they basically get crapped on, you know, yeah. it's it, it, clown or whatever word you want to use nowadays. And, and uh, but they don't stop, they just keep going. And I kind of feel that a little bit that way, and please correct me if I'm wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, that Flatland is, is kind of like the inline skating, but you still, res- I respect people that still do it like you, uh, is it Trevor Meyer that yeah, tours Trevor, with, with Zach Trevor's Newman? Yeah. Uh, Kevin Jones still? I don't no, know. But no. Do you ever deal with what, say, an inline skater would? Um, you know, it, it's funny. First of all, I, like, I've been on the deck of the ramps at Woodward, the mm-hmm. bird ramps at Woodward, with Tony Hawk, mm-hmm. Andy McDonald, Dave mm-hmm. Mira, you know, Kevin Robinson, Jamie Bessler, like the best guys in the world. Mm-hmm. Greatest vertebrae people I've ever seen were the Yasutoko brothers from Japan inliners. Oh, like, okay. That was more impressive than anything I ever saw a biker skateboarding. Yeah, like, yeah. those guys were sick. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, Flatland's kooky at this point. It, mm-hmm. you know, it really branched off and from BMX mm. into its own specific little thing. And for years, Flatlanders 
we're like, you know, we're our own thing. You know, yeah. we don't want to be part of BMX because BMX doesn't think we're good enough. Yeah. And I was like, dude, it's it's all the same. You know, let's let's keep it together. And if you look at modern street riding now, I mean, it's flatland. Yeah. But the thing right. is, there were always guys that didn't want to go fast and big over jumps and risk hurting themselves. They were very technical riders. Yeah. They got in flatland in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Today, these are the guys doing, you know, the Sabrosa street rail, doing six different grinds yeah. on a Sabrosa street rail. Incredibly technical riders, mm-hmm. but they're not blasting over, you know, giant doubles right. or vert ramps. Yeah. So I call, you know, modern street in a lot of ways, it's flatland in the third dimension. Right. Yeah. You know, they, they, they've got that technical skill. So honestly, at this point, flatland is such a kooky thing. When I go out in the BMX world, mm-hmm. people are just like, oh, that's cool. Or they don't understand it, but mm-hmm. they don't hate on me anymore. Right, right. Yeah, yeah well, obviously, but we could both agree that that wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't be fair to treat anyone that way anyway. But uh, I, I know, uh, was it Next Generation Jam? You always, you do some flatland demos, yeah. and that's a chance for a kid to say, whoa, uh, it's kind of cool, it's different than... The other stuff yeah. I'm seeing here, and it's all good, but this is interesting. You know what I mean? Well, that's that's the thing. Like, they gave me the opportunity to come to the Next Generation Jam to work mm-hmm. with kids. And being an old school teacher, mm-hmm. I love working with the kids. Right. But what I wanted to show them is you don't need a wheel mill mm-hmm. to have fun. Sure. You don't need a bank or a curb cut or a rail. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the tricks I teach kids is like you're looking at them going, they're different skill sets. Kids may not have brakes, they may not have pegs. What can I teach them? Yeah. I teach them to sit on the crossbar and ride down the street. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you could go to your friend's house mm-hmm. sitting on your handlebar. Right. Right. Because it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's something different and it's fun. So I'm just trying to expose them, hey, you know, there you can do things. There are other yeah. things to do on your bike mm-hmm. beside, you know, doing a grind mm-hmm. or beside, you know, jumping a box jump. Sure. Or dirt jumps. Like, no, you've got this amazing thing here mm-hmm. it's like if you had a guitar but only played one type of music no you right. can do anything with a guitar right. why would you play one song all right. the time mm-hmm. are bikes too specific nowadays to be able to um, Flatland does require specific features to do I would assume to do a lot of different Flatland moves right so you can't use a you, you can't use a street bike to do flatland. Am I right or wrong in that? Um, the way... No, uh, honestly, we were talking about top tubes before. Before yeah. we started recording, we were talking about top tubes. Yeah. On a Haro Master, for instance. Yeah. But No, on a, Joe, you can do a trick on any bike. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you see the girls on their artistic cycling bikes. It's like a track bike. And they're, yeah. doing, they're doing what... You know, we consider flatland tricks. Yeah. You see guys, you know, on their on a carbon road bike doing backflips out of a skate park bowl. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it, it's all BMX, and like uh-huh. I've always said, BMX is a type of riding, not mm-hmm. a type of bicycle. Um, you can do flatland tricks on anything. Now, mm-hmm. you can get fine tuned. Right. Right. You can fine tune your bike, but you can literally put me on any bike, and I'll I'm going to do some kind of trick. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, you know. You fine-tune it. It's just, if you're a runner, you say, hey, you know what? I don't like running in Nikes. I like running in Adidas. Mm -hmm. You you find what works for you. But I think a lot of people get really too hung up on it. Mm -hmm. And 
kind of like, oh, I, I need this or I can't ride because I don't have this or I do have this. I'm like, no, you don't. You just go out and ride. Well, aside, aside from that, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I, I think I'm sure you're, you're right on that. Maybe it's just certain tricks you can't do unless you have that flatland setup. Um, Maybe. No, honestly, if I've learned anything from mm-hmm. flatland is nothing is impossible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like nothing's impossible and you can do whatever you want. I mean, mm-hmm. I do a lot of decades. Mm-hmm. I've got a custom frame with a frame stand platform on it because mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt my foot when I do decades. Oh, okay. But that doesn't mean I can't hop on your race bike. And still, and not be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I can do it. Same idea. You just have to find yeah, it's, find it's, a foot position yeah, that yeah, works. Yeah, you you fine tune it. Um, you know, but people go nuts. You know, with brakes and pegs and this and that. And it's like, well, I do. I've got two brakes, a free uh-huh. coaster, and four pegs on my bike. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of tricks without pegs, mm-hmm. but I don't take the pegs off. Right. I do a lot of brakeless combos, but I don't take my brakes off. I just don't squeeze the lever. Right. Right. So. I'm like, but if I take the pegs off, I'm limiting myself. Yeah. If I take the brakes off, I'm limiting myself. Mm-hmm. If I take the free coaster off, I'm limiting myself. So, you know, it, it's just on your head. <laughs> and, and, and maybe it, maybe it comes down to if you really become passionate about it, then you start messing around with those options that are available. Right. Um, so anyway, I, I've always, I've always been curious and mostly with you because you're the, you're the flatlander I see the most. Uh, about it so that helps me understand it a bit more and yeah the accessibility I mean I, I've watched some little bit of Instagram stuff with Matt Berenger doing doing basically flatland tricks in his yeah. in his garage right yeah. he does some funny stuff you know, because I, he'll jump off the rollers <laughs> I yeah. forget how it works but, but, but that's cool that's but. the beauty of flatland is mm-hmm. that you need a bike right. and that's about it um, you know when pegs first were invented mm-hmm I got them late fall. I the tiny, them, tiny yeah, Skyway they ones? The, they biggest, was, yeah, as big as your finger. Smaller than a magic marker? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> it's winter, yeah. and I want to ride. Well, my parents' basement was like a rec room, and it was wall-to-wall carpeting. Uh, you can't roll around on that. But I had pegs in the front brake, so I learned how to balance. I learned hopping tricks and balance tricks. And mm-hmm. when spring came around, we all got together. My friends were like, oh, my God, how'd you learn all this stuff? I was like... I, I couldn't roll anywhere, right. so I learned all these balance tricks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So Flatland's awesome that way. I saw a couple, uh, well, first of all, Flatland's in the Feast events, right? Yeah. So I've watched a couple of those, and these people, they're, I want to say spinning out of control, but they're spinning in control. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's almost like ice skating in a way. You know what I mean? It's just an well, amazing how they... It's, it's, it's interesting with, with Flatland. Mm-hmm. That's that's what you see in the Feast events. That's what I call Contest Flatland. Yeah, okay. Okay? Just like there's X Games dirt jumping and what you're doing at your local trails on the weekend Correct. with the guys. Totally different. Totally different things. Flatland's the same way. Same with Olympic racing yeah. and, Olymp- yeah. and regular local right. racing. Right, so Flatland is the same way. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my friends and I... We were lucky to start at the beginning. We got to mm-hmm. make up a lot of tricks. Mm-hmm. We got to be very innovative. Um, and it was awesome because we live in this crappy little town in Pennsylvania. So far away from the industry, we're like, oh, man, RL must practice 10 hours a day. Mm-hmm. You know, Woody Itzen has got to be riding constantly. Yeah. So that's what we did. Right. right. And then we went to the contests. Mm-hmm. 
and those guys noticed us because yeah, yeah. they weren't riding the 10 hours a day that we were. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was kind of cool being isolated. But uh, And that would have been York? Yeah, yeah. York, York PA? Yeah. So, you know, it, it was really cool not knowing any better, mm, which right. was what, what better thing is there in youth than not knowing any better. Was it Dorkin and York? Was that the first Flatland yeah. movie? Um, was that you? Well, was... like I think like BMX Plus had done their you know BMX video mm-hmm. and maybe Curb Dogs Freestyle in USA. Oh, okay. Um, like they, they, they're real cheesy. You're right. But um, we did our own Plywood Hoods Dorkin and York video. I mean Dorkin mm-hmm. and York. We didn't take ourselves seriously. No. <laughs> um, no. The the tagline on the bottom of the video said you know copy it for your friends. We would. Uh, So, you know, we just said, hey, you know, let's document what we're doing. And a friend of ours had made a zine, Mm -hmm. and that was kind of the unofficial zine of our trick team. So we're like, we're going to make a video Mm because, you know, if if they can make, you know, Animal Chin, then why can't we make a video? So we did it. Mm -hmm. We got the word out. We went to the contest, showed it to people. And, like, we'd get together on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Everybody take their parents' VCR to Eaton's house, and we'd link up like six VCRs in a daisy chain mm-hmm. and watch the video yeah. again and again and keep making copies. <laughs> that way. That's funny. So, you know, but it, it was like the first underground bike video. And mm-hmm. we were riding flatland, we were riding street, we were riding ramps. We had, you know, pro contest footage, Ron Wilkerson, mm-hmm. you know, riding yeah. in, in our video. Um, but it was cool. Like I said, like we did the York Jam, Dork in York. Mm-hmm. It was like first first real proper BMX video, right? And kind of set the tone for the industry. And you know, we did the York Jam. It was our first BMX jam, mm-hmm. so it was like we got to do that. We, you know, my friends made up the tricks. Like, you know, Kevin, Kevin's Rodney Mullen. Um, what Rodney Mullen did for skateboarding, Kevin Jones did. Mm-hmm. And it, let me tell you, it's, it's weird growing up riding when your best friend is the best in the world at what they do. Yeah, right. right. Um, like I, I would try tricks for hours, right. and he would just look, glance over, see what I was doing, and just knock it out real fast. <laughs> but um, what I learned from Kevin and Mark and the guys, it didn't matter how good you were, mm-hmm. because Kevin and I always got along well, because I was trying every bit as hard as he was. Uh-huh. Even I'm like I'm trying to read at a third grade level, and he's reading War and Peace. Right. You know, like totally different levels, but the effort was the same. Mm-hmm. So that that's why we were good. Um, you know, and I'm I'm very fortunate to you know have met the guys that I grew up with in York. We pushed each other mm-hmm. um, in all aspects of riding, mm-hmm. and um, you know, kind of it, it's one of the biggest things in my life and you know I love those guys they're my brothers right that's awesome and, and uh, Mark went on to a heck of a career as a as a producer would you say and because he did did he do Joe Kid on a Stingray yeah he did Joe Kid on a Stingray he did the history of Mongoose he did Stomp and Stew oh right, um, right. Yeah. you know he's he's phenomenal mm-hmm. at what he does and yeah. the great story is um, when he was a kid, he was into breakdancing. Oh, okay. They had a team, the Cardboard Lords. They, <laughs> they won a local talent contest. I didn't know, I didn't know that. Yeah, so they won, the, the Cardboard Lords yeah. won a VCR in a local talent contest. A couple of years later, uh, that VCR yeah. was used to make Dorkin in York. 
and then Eaton started making bike videos. Oh, okay. And now Eaton's got a nice house, a wife, two kids, mm-hmm. all because he learned how to do windmills when he was 14 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. However it works, that's great. Yeah. Uh, let's see. All right, let's... Uh... All right, I'm going to start hitting some questions because we are... Uh... See how fast time goes? It's already been an hour. Wow. So I'm going to hit these questions and... I'm going to do my best to get to all of them. So first, I'm going to, I'm going to shout out uh, people that don't necessarily have a question. Uh, let's see, Zach Geithek, a friend of mine from Connecticut. Uh, Wear camera monsters. My friend Brian Close from Brooklyn. Uh, a lot of these are questions. Uh, well, Bill wants to say that Brett rules. Uh, Love Wild Bill. He's great. We just stayed at his house last weekend. It was it's pure comedy. Pure comedy and just a, it, it's he is just a, amazingly generous in uh, his perception of, of when when someone may need a phone call. We'll say is like dead on. <laughs> and he's gone through enough of his yeah. own ups and downs and he's still worried about everybody else being no, okay it, yeah it, you know it, it's good I've, I've noticed that in BMX mm-hmm. as we've gotten older and especially after losing Dave yeah um, one of the biggest changes I saw was when we leave we all say I love you to each other right, we right, never right. would have said that before yeah. but now like hey you know he's like hey man have a great seeing you this weekend take care yeah. of yourself I love you yeah right and um, you know it's important I think it's more of a community than it's ever been yeah. I, I think and and we're talking disciplines combined too. I I feel. Uh, let's see. Welcome, Jim. <laughs> they were psyched you're going, to, you're going to do this. They just wanted to give the uh, the fist bump to you. Nice. Uh, scavenger. No, not reading your question. You're not winning this time. Uh, let's see. Um. Not sure who this is. It's uh, Chris G. Now uh, we'll just go with Chris G. G. Missed you, old fools. At Ray's. Oh, you know what? This has nothing to do with yours. Probably not. Well, that was pretty tricky because you weren't at Ray's. No. Uh, yeah, he's 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 using your uh, your podcast to say that that uh, <laughs> to say hi. I guess. <laughs> anyway. Hey. I'm sure I will run into you again soon, Chris. Uh, let's see. Alright, I am going to be able to skip to question or start with questions because those are all the shout outs. So uh, I'm going to say this guy's name wrong. I, I almost do it on purpose now. Um, <laughs> Jess Grenager. I don't even think that's correct. He wanted to say this is going to be a good one. And then he said, after the years, the changes and the trends. And above it all, staying consistent, how do you keep your head straight between the ups and downs personally and within the sport? Um, no, just, just a rad dude. I like him a lot. I met him a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, he is. Okay, when I was younger, oh, did I give a shit about BMX. Yeah. I cared about every little thing. Uh-huh. And then, um, again, you mellow with age. And you got to remember, I spend hours every week. I'm an old man in a grocery store parking lot doing spinneroonies on a kid's bike. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't take anything that seriously. Right. Um, 
I learned quickly working in the bike industry, you know, again, it's a job. Mm-hmm. And you have good days, you have bad days. I was having the shittiest day ever. And I was, I was just livid by the time I got out of work. So instead of driving home, mm-hmm. I grabbed a demo bike and rode nine miles home. Cut through the woods. Mm-hmm. Got some mountain bike trails in. And all of a sudden it occurred to me, the bicycle industry and the bicycle world has nothing to do with actually riding a bicycle. Mm-hmm. So I quickly learned to separate those two things. Mm-hmm. And um, now I, I just look at myself, I'm a rider. Before, first and foremost, above everything else, I'm a rider. And so what I'm saying here doesn't matter, you know, like when I'm riding my bike, mm-hmm. that's what counts. Sure. So I, d- I don't let things get to me too much. And as far as trends go, man, you can't stop it. I, I don't want to be the old, you know, get off my lawn guy. Um, my kids, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't understand my kids. My kids, I did. My parents didn't understand me, and that's the way it's supposed to be. I don't worry about trends. Sometimes, you know, I see, I, I know how the industry works. They see a trend, and well, this is how America works. You see a trend, yeah. you work it, you work it, work it till it's completely overdone, uh-huh. and then it's so bad right. it has to go away. Kind of like. Sure. The grunge thing was baggy clothes, and then a couple years later, you've got Jinko jeans. Right, you right. know, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> Everything gets pushed too far. So I just, you know, again, I'm out doing tricks in a parking lot. Yeah. I've been riding in the same spot since 1995. Mm-hmm. People come and go, and they're like, "Hey, I remember you riding here when I was little, and I'm in college now." Um, I. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff matters to me because I'm just doing my thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if we all keep true to ourselves and just keep riding our bikes, we won't get caught up in the trends and the drama. Yeah. It's unnecessary. There's, I don't care which discipline because we all cross paths, but there shouldn't be any drama in a, in a, uh, a sport with, like I said, including all disciplines that's not that, that big. It's, it's good size, but to, to have all the people together, well, you know, at once I mean, something. You but, know, it's... But we're, we're small. But, but getting getting bent out of shape, it's, it's so easy to do. That's why people do it. It's just <laughs> yeah, the yeah. easiest thing to do is yeah. get pissed off about something or yeah, someone. Yeah. or Sure. And it's just like, dude, yeah. why, why care about it that much? If you don't like it, don't give it any of your energy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean... I, different conversation for another another day but yeah there's uh there's there's people that just need to uh learn how to learn how to accept it and deal with it and uh and just 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 focus on what's fun and and i'm as imperfect as the next guys i think it's a work in progress for most of us um but uh yeah we need to not not care what everyone thinks it's it's tough but uh Anyway, uh, Casey Smith, you kind of already explained this. Why are you the way you are? Um, that's it. You uh, just I said mean, it, really. Just, yeah, I mean, that, that <laughs> that's a huge question. Uh, I just want to say, like, I found Casey through Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, rad dude. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's funny, a couple of months ago, he's like, anybody got a line on a 16-inch bike? Uh-huh. So I sent him a Mira 360. It's a Dave Mira replica uh-huh. bike, but 16-inch version. Yeah. I bought for myself for mm-hmm. my 34th birthday. Uh-huh. I learned front flips at Woodward on a 16-inch. I learned how to really? ride Flatland on a 16-inch. 
Oh, I have wow. this thing hanging in my basement, and you know, Casey's yeah. got a young daughter. I'm like, I don't need it yeah. anymore. So, yeah. I hope she's enjoying it, Casey. Yeah, absolutely. you know, and thanks for being a rad dude. Yeah, he he is. We had a good time talking at the uh, Old Fools Jam too. He's he's a nice guy. Um, all right, BMX Ron, which is that Les Lesniewski? Is that how you say his last name? Lesniewski. Lesniewski, but just Ron L. Well, yeah, I mean just, L as in Long just, Island. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that. You know, well, let's hit that question first. Please clarify why I'm no longer Brooklyn. Um, okay, so rumor has it coming from Ron is that he grew up in Brooklyn. Uh-huh. But when I met him, yeah. he was Stony Brook Ron. Oh, and like by the I, college or at the college? Yeah, no, he was going to college going at college, Stony yeah. Brook. So, you know, he... I think he's trying to be hard and say, yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, I'm from New York City. But I'm like, dude, no, you're just a flid. You know, just uh, give up on it. So, on. But he has a property in Brooklyn, I believe, so he may have you there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he, right? he uh, Yeah. I think it's in Brooklyn. Yeah, he's probably paying a thousand bucks a month for a phone booth in Brooklyn. <laughs> no, I think it's a place he rents. But anyway, yeah, he, he, he may use that. <laughs> To, no, Ron, Ron, Ron L is he's, he's my homeboy from way back. I love the guy. I've only known him since I got back into it, but he clearly was around when I was in it before. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, it. you know, he was a freestyle guy and like one of the maniac street riders. Of mm-hmm. the, like when you hear the horror story rides of New York City with yeah. the BMXers taking over, oh, that was Ron L. He was right at the beginning <laughs> of it. Um, th- those were crazy times. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but he's he's a good dude, and somehow, you know, he he named his daughter Brooklyn. And I, you know, and I tease him. I'm like, well, it's better than naming her Stony Brook. <laughs> right. Yep, that's that's true. Uh, could you please? This is still this this is the 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 Ronnell. Last weekend, I had to do this. I, I just started. And someone has a bunch of questions. I just call it the Ronnell in your blood yeah. podcast. Yeah. Uh, but Ron wanted to know, could you please admit on air that I did feeble to 360s before you? Uh, Ron and I have talked about this a little bit. I am telling you, I honestly made up feeble grind to 270 drop in uh-huh. way back in the 80s. I had yeah. never seen anybody do it, never heard of anybody do it, so mm-hmm. I know that I made it up. Ron L might have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. I have no idea any dates or times so we yeah. you know it might have been the two of us inventing it at a similar time but um but <laughs> i know i made that up and it's weird because i've made up a lot of tricks and only you know after i'm doing it for a year then i'll find some old video of some guy in 1991 yeah. doing it i'm like damn it <laughs> but i'm like you know i'm still oh. counting it as mine because i never saw it or knew about it so yeah. it's my trick yeah why not but uh, let me just say ron l mm-hmm. Next time we ride together, let's see who can pull it first. Because <laughs> let's settle it that way. Oh man, yeah. Oh, on. All right, here's one more from the Ron L in your blood. At uh, at what point in your career did you realize that you were in love with me? Uh, I've never been in love with Ron L. I never will. <laughs> um, it's just uh, he's he's good. He's like a strong cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, he's right. good, but he'll just make you feel miserable after a while. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, he's. I have to say, Ron. Ron's been unbelievably. Oh yeah. Nice. He's, he's, he's a great guy, but you know, just the the ball busting. Oh no! Aside from that, aside from that, yeah. just 
And and I, I've said this in past podcasts. Thank, thank God he's okay. Uh, yeah. And and I and I hope he keeps his fitness goals going because they're uh, they're important. Yeah. Uh, and, and we want Ronell in our lives for sure. Yeah. Uh, so anyhow, I'm gonna switch to. Uh, <laughs> we'll ask this one. But I'm not sure what the answer is. I'm, will be I should say I'm curious in this one Jedi mind Nick how does one ramp up the John effectively um, okay so in Philadelphia there is a pronoun multi-use pronoun John it can literally be anything you don't know the name of and years ago mm-hmm. you'd go out riding in Philadelphia and you'd like hop up and grind something or do a wall ride and little kids would see you and they don't know what to call what you just did. So they'd be like, hey man, wrap up the jaw. Wrap up the jaw. <laughs> and it was just a funny thing we always heard. So, um, you know, around 2000, 2001, uh-huh. my friends and I started a club homeboy-esque group. Right. You know, Mark Eaton, Large Ray, Gary Pollock, Warren, Wally, mm-hmm. Brian Hankin. We started Ramp Up the John. It was our own club. Oh, and all right. Basically, you know, it was just purely about fun on bikes. Right, you know, we, right. we went to Woodward. This little kid says, can I be on your team? Yeah. How far can you wheelie? He's like a few blocks. We're like, uh-huh. if you measure your wheelie in blocks, you're on the team. Right. Um, but Ramp Up the John was basically, you know, hucking and hoping. You know, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're old guys just throwing ourselves still. And that's, yeah. that's all it really has to be, you know? Just go out there and have fun. Tracer Finn was a member. Really? He was member nine and a half because he's missing half his finger. <laughs> oh, man. I forgot about that. Oh, my gosh. Did I you hear, ever hear a story about that? Uh, I think I did. On a, I'm pretty sure that I heard, I heard it on a, uh, a podcast. I believe For, real, for real those of you that don't ball. know, Tracer Finn mm-hmm. is an old school racer. When he was a kid, mm-hmm. he crashed in the race and his hand went into somebody's wheel and basically took the meat off his pinky mm-hmm. from the big knuckle up. Right. So he's holding his hand, screaming in pain. His dad came over and looked at it, pulled out a pair of dikes, and just snipped the finger off. And we were like horrified. And he goes, "Yeah, my dad was missing the same finger, so he he knew what was going to happen." <laughs> so, Holy cow! But you know, it's like you know, oh my you pull all the meat off your finger. It's just a bone sticking out. What are they going to do? They're going to cut it off anyway. But he's just like, yeah, my dad was missing the same finger. It's fine. Yeah. And, and you know what? That reminds me. Anyone that is listening to this that has that doesn't know who Tracer Finn is, just Google search Tracer Finn jumping a piano or something, and they'll see Tracer Finn jumping. Well, his dad playing the piano, right? Yeah, his dad played piano in Vegas casinos, and mm-hmm. Tracer was just phenomenal phenomenal racer jumper Um, and then he got into the business end in the 90s with the big boom of freestyle was team manager for a few different Mm -hmm. companies and um, to this day I don't consider Vegas a complete trip without seeing Tracer he's just Mm -hmm. the best guy yeah yeah you know he's and it's funny I was thinking about I was like you could literally just name people off and I'll tell you a story about sure yeah but um, you know shout outs to Tracer yeah absolutely Uh, let's see (laughs) <laughs> Doctor, wait a minute. Ask him about our new nine tooth coaster brakes. All right, so I'm this, assuming T is tooth. Yeah. Okay. So no, this is this is actually good because a lot of people ask me about this. Um, you know, back in the '80s, there were no such thing as free coasters. We mm-hmm. had coaster brakes for doing tricks, 
because when you rolled back, your pedals didn't back pedal. Sure. Eventually, we modified the hubs, took the brake shoes out, and made invented our own free coasters. Oh, I didn't know that. That's but cool. um, there were certain tricks you do with a coaster brake hub. So mm -hmm. when you're pushing backwards on the back pedal, it locks the back wheel up. When everybody went to free coasters, those tricks disappeared. Yeah. Um, and the problem was the, you know, because the, coaster brake hubs took, you know, you were lucky if you found a 12 tooth cog. Well, mm -hmm. modern bikes can't take a big sprocket. So the gearing was working like it, it just didn't work. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Wade up in Canada is a mad scientist of a BMXer, good rider. He is found, he really a doctor? Yes, yes. He actually got a PhD and he did his doctoral thesis on BMX. Oh, I just think it's wild because it's, it's Dr. Wade. A minute, I think it's pretty, pretty no, funny. No, no, he's he's a legit doctor yeah. of BMX. Uh, excellent wow. human being. That's awesome. Um, so anyway, yeah. A couple of years ago, um, a friend of mine, Indy Armstrong from Indiana, shows up at the York Chan with a coaster brake mm -hmm. wheel, and I was like, "What the heck?" Mm -hmm. He had an older frame. 36 sprocket on the front, 13 tooth coaster brake on the back. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And he's like, yeah, it's a brand new hub. I found it on eBay for like 25 bucks. It was made by a company called HK. Mm -hmm. Had a 13 tooth cog. And we're like, oh, well, that's cool. Because like 36, 13 is standard gearing, like a sure. 44, 16. Uh -huh. And he's like, well, yeah, I've got one of these hubs. I'll send it to you. So he sent me the hub. And I built it up into a wheel, put it on one of my old frames that accepted a big sprocket. Mm-hmm. Dr. Wade Nelson, another old school guy that can do coaster brake tricks, mm -hmm. he did a little research and found there's a BMX company out wow. there that's doing 12 inch bikes with a nine tooth cog coaster brake. Right, right. It's, it's just like a cassette driver, it's one piece. Mm -hmm. But the thing is those hubs are only 18 spokes. Okay. So he said, I found out they have 25.9 on these 12 inch bikes, so I call up, do you have any hubs and warranty stock? And they're like, yeah, we got five, you go send them all to me. So then Wade said, hey Brett, do you want one of these? I said, yeah. So I got this, mm -hmm. basically it's a coaster brake hub, for right. the flanges only have 18 spoke holes, so I can't use it, Right. but it was the exact same hub. Uh, so so I just swapped out. the driver out. Yeah, yeah. So literally there's about less than 10 of us in the world that have 25.9 gearing coaster brake hubs. Wade, uh, Wade and Indy Armstrong set me up with the hub. Yeah, yeah. Man, I post videos of me doing old coaster brake mm -hmm. tricks, like all the kick turns that Diz Hicks used to do. Yeah, I can yeah. still do them. Yeah. And like I posted a couple of videos of me doing them, and Diz Hicks is commenting like, "Yeah, that's right." Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So getting props from Diz is amazing. Mm -hmm. But um, everybody's been asking me, and I was like, "Well, it's not my story to tell, so you know, mm -hmm. let Wade tell it." But since Wade is saying, um, <laughs> HK Coaster Brake Hub, uh -huh. 36 spoke shell, yeah. you can find them on eBay. Mm -hmm. Just get one of those, and I'm not telling you the name of the company, you got to do a little homework. There's this <laughs> thing called Google. <laughs> find a 12-inch kid's bike that has a 25.9 gearing. It's an HK hub, but mm -hmm. with a nine-tooth driver, and yeah. just swap it out. Ah. But it's really cool because um, I know how to ride coaster brakes. Mm -hmm. I learned how to ride trails with a coaster brake. Vert with a coaster brake. That's hard. I can I jump everything goofy footed. I'd put a half a crank in the air when I had to do yeah. it. Um, okay. I'm the only guy that ever dropped in on Matt Hoffman's big quarter pipe mm -hmm. with a coaster brake. I popped out you'd on think it. You'd instantly skid. I was scared to death. 
to get back in. It was 21 feet. It was a foot of vert, but 20 feet of transition. I didn't know how to get back in, but yeah. literally putting my back tire on the coping, right. standing on the coaster brake yeah. and just falling forward was the safest way. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, it's funny. Like, you know, I put the coaster brake wheel on my bike, go out and do some flatland tricks, take it to the skate park, do some wacky old stuff. So, you know, it's fun. Wow. All right. Uh, <laughs> quick one from Wild Bill. How does it feel to be in your fifth decade of riding? Fifth. 70s, 80s, 90s, aughts, teens. 2020 this is my sixth. Um, like I said earlier... You forgot to count the zero when they taught, that, taught them that in, uh, in school. Well, it, no, um, it's, it's pretty awesome. Like, it's, uh, like I said, it feels like it's been one big session to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because the peripheral BMX world doesn't matter when I'm actually riding the bike. You know, there were the lean times and you know in the early 90s when you couldn't find bike parts and there were times in the late 90s where you know i had a lot of sponsors and people were giving me free stuff and uh-huh. you know times where i had no money was scrounging and sure and you know but i've been riding the whole time it mm-hmm. it's it's an amazing feeling um i laugh because i've been doing i've been jumping my bike and doing tricks on my bike longer than almost anything in my life mm-hmm. and still enjoying it Right. Like, I think, like, I was thinking about, it, like, I've eaten ice cream and enjoyed that longer than I've ridden my bike <laughs> and enjoyed right. it. But I, I was like, there's not much else out there right. that I've done as long. Um, it, it's awesome. And, like, as I, I jokingly say, I want to make it another two years to make it 50 years of BMX. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll stop when I have to stop. It's, right. and, you know, it's great. And if other people out there go, wow, if this old geezer can do it, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm positive you're inspiring people, and I, I know a lot of us older guys do inspire people. So it's, I just think it's important to just, just like we talked about before, just be nice to people. Be nice to everyone. Yeah. It's so much easier. But you know, it's, and, and people I, get a lot out I, of it. I saw the video online mm-hmm. of the pump track race from Ray's last weekend. Oh, okay. And that guy got tag teamed with Stu Thompson. Oh, that's my buddy, Brian. How Brian, awesome is that? Brian Stu's, Bono. Right. Oh, it gets weirder than Stu's, that. Stu's yeah. 62 years old. Yeah. And did you notice that he jumped the doubles? Yes. Like, yeah. dude's fast. He did. You couldn't see it very well, yeah. but you and I would notice it because... But, but again, yeah. like, you know, so I'm like, yeah, I'm 52 and I'm still doing this. Like, I've gone out riding with Stu. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were doing a group ride, the Spring Fling, and, you know, we're just riding through neighborhoods. We go mm-hmm. around a corner... And just as a joke, I rode up to Stu and kind of elbowed him as we're turning the corner. Yeah, and yeah, he just yeah. all of a sudden got like the eye of the tiger in his <laughs> face and said, you want to play that game? And I was like, no, man, just, just kidding. Yeah. yeah, but like Stu's awesome. He's 62 and can yeah. ride better than so many people. So yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, Dude, we can't quit for a while, Joe. No, we got, like, no. <laughs> And I can't, the friend of mine, uh, Brian, that, that ended up on his team, I mean, he's a huge Stu Thompson fan. He's been around long enough yeah. that, you know, Pete Lankarevic, Stu Thompson, different, slightly different eras, but pretty close. Uh, he ended up sitting in inadvertently, uh, and this was before the pump track race, to Brian's, Brian Bonneau, I did a podcast with him. So Stu was, he came in the room and was doing whatever, and people will have heard it by the time we play here, so they'll know what I'm talking about. But, uh, Brian and I were like, Stu Thompson sitting in on your interview. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't intending on being part of the interview. 
it the the sound sound quality is crazy. Everyone's going to probably be annoyed all the hell with it. But you're just going to have to turn up your volume because he's so far across the room yeah. because he wasn't meant to be part of it. But Brian and I were like, I, I said, are you okay with me? You know, if you and I shift the first half hour over to yeah. him, he's like, by all means, we have yeah, to do yeah. it. So uh, anyway, he's a little across the room, but his voice got a little louder as we went, and he, he really, it was one of those, nah, I don't really want to talk, you know, I'm just here having a good time. He went from that to, I'm sure he felt comfortable and, and just started talking about, you know, a lot of his career as a police yeah. officer. And he was just such an awesome guy. And then yeah. the next day, Brian gets paired up with him, and it was random. It was completely yeah. random. It yeah. was just a, it was one of the coolest stories that that uh, yeah. I watched well, unfold. Honestly, one of one of the biggest life changers. Mm-hmm. Um, in January 1993, Kevin got a an opportunity to be on a music video in New York City. Uh-huh. Who is this? Oh, some new rap guy. I don't know. He's like, you want to go with me? Yeah, sure. <laughs> they put us in a soundstage. The area to ride was about the size of like a teenager's bedroom. It was teeny. Yeah. So I could do five six tricks in there. Kevin was doing incredible stuff in this little tiny spot. Then we went out riding and dude is in the back of a pickup truck rapping and singing and we're doing tricks through Manhattan traffic. And you know, I'm doing peg wheelies and little things and like this guy's doing hang five and whiplashes like in between cars Uh on traffic. Kevin was phenomenal and I realized, wow, if you get good at bikes, it opens up a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's when I really started getting serious with Flatland and Mm -hmm. the rapper turned out to be Kid Rock. Was it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but... um, No, it's... But, you know, BMX is cool because you get so many opportunities and... um, You do. You know, that... That's just the raddest thing. And, like, you know, for you getting to meet Stu Thompson and, like, hang out with him. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, it it was wild. um, All right. uh, Jedi Mind Nick, obviously you wouldn't hop on a bike if you didn't still enjoy it. Did I already ask this? Uh, what are you pumped about during sessions now, and what got you the most pumped back in the day? I don't think I read that yet. Um, no, it's a new question. Um, at this point, it's all about feel. Um, whatever I feel that day, like I'll, there's a little concrete skate park. It's real tricky to ride near my mm-hmm. house, and some days I'm like, man, I'm gonna blast when I get there. Uh-huh. And I get there, and I'm like, all I'm actually doing is carving because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't feel like charging hard. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or some days I don't really feel like riding flatland, but I'm like, well, you put in a lot of shitty days, you get that one perfect day. Sure. And then I end up having the time of my life. I go yeah. out and do whatever I feel like doing, whatever feels mm-hmm. fun that day. And sometimes, you know, I'm doing tricks that I learned in 1985. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm trying to do something I just thought up that I've never done before. And I'll spend two hours, mm-hmm. you know, trying it literally, you Excuse know, me. 150 times. Yeah. And right. never pulling it. Yeah. But it's still fun. So it's just, you know, the feel mm-hmm. that riding, of riding, whatever it is, you know, like cruising around the neighborhood, jumping curbs, mm-hmm. you know, going to FDR, like, you know, riding flatland, just whatever feels right that sure. day. Um, the great thing about being old is it doesn't have to be any more than that at this point. Like you said, we've got nothing to prove. Like we just go out. Um, you know, back in the day, I was a goddamn maniac on the mm-hmm. bike. I was always the crazy jumper. Um mm-hmm. Like when I met Kevin, he had grown up. Kevin was a phenomenal overall rider, uh-huh. and 
when I met him, he had had a riding buddy, Strickler, who quit riding when he got his driver's license. Mm-hmm. So Kevin would take me all over New York to these different spots and say, mm-hmm. hey, um, yeah, check out this jump. And I'd like, it was, you know, it was like a crazy gap. You got a bunny hop up almost three feet and it was like a seven foot drop off on the back. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah. I was like, no way, dude, that's nuts. And he's like, oh, me and Strickler used to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. He's like, go ahead. And I'd do it. Mm-hmm. And then he would be up there giggling like a kid. I'm like, what? And he goes, we just looked at it for years. Like, we were always too scared to do it. But that was, uh, like, I, I was, that was my thrill back in the day was I was just hucking myself, doing the craziest things uh-huh. I could think of. And now I know better, and um, I just go for whatever feels fun. Right. Even if Kevin says he did it before and he didn't. Yeah. That's pretty funny. That's a good thing to do when you've got younger guys riding with you. Show yeah. them the stuff that scared you. Right, Make right. them do it. Say, ah, we did it all the time. <laughs> Don't make me do it before you. Um, all right. So, uh, Jocelyn Kamara, Kamara uh, she wants to know <laughs> how many band-aids slash slings slash medical equipment goodies do you and Monique have? On you at all times, sir. Here we go. Oh, okay. Also, <laughs> Santa did get me a medical kit for Christmas. Did you tell him? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, my my girlfriend Monique is really rad. She um, we've been together four years. She likes riding all types of bikes. I got her a BMX bike, and she's having a blast. She's mm-hmm. a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, yeah, she's a doctor, mm-hmm. and um, so when somebody gets hurt. She's on the spot. Mm-hmm. I'm an old guy. I've seen a lot of people get hurt. I'm really good with emergency medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, as older people in the sport, it's our job to be custodians and take care of the younger people. Mm-hmm. Well, Monique's got a killer med pack that she takes with her. She's got yeah. it this weekend, God forbid it's needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. We have patched her up. Johnny came and, you know, Oh, Monique was jam, ready to right? Monique, Monique was ready to suture Johnny at Woodward, but we're like, ah, it's your face. You know, you better go get a surgeon to do it right, yeah, so yeah. there's no ugly scar. Right, right. But uh, you know, up in Connecticut, when Josh broke her collarbone, mm-hmm. Monique had a sling. Yeah. So yeah. you know, we take that. Um, you know, we we take care of the kids, like Chris Rock says, we take care mm-hmm. of our kids. But um, <laughs> no, it's just it's smart to have protective gear and if you don't have protective gear at least have a friend with a good first aid kit <laughs> that's right and i always joke around with you and i and i i tell people this all the time i'm like i have my own personal water boy like well, <laughs> but i'll just say real quick i'm sure, sure you have your your angle on that and this and and i know you're right but uh if, if that didn't happen, you know how this this goes. You know, time yeah. flies, and before you know it, you know you're you're pissing a pretty pretty colorful. You know, yeah, it looks like maple syrup. Yeah, yeah, you don't have nearly enough in you. So anyway, I always appreciate you well, bringing me water, even though I joke around. About well, it. no, I, I I did a York Jam one year mm-hmm. and ran myself ragged. Mm-hmm. Ended up in the ER with heat stroke. You know, getting like three bags of saline in me, like I was dying. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, you, you know, you just take care of people. I know you're busy running around like a bad man. It's only 109 degree heat index. That's With, all. you know, 95% humidity. So I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, let me make sure, like here's some food to get you started in the morning and here's some water. Yeah. But, um, you know, again, we, you know, we, mm-hmm. we take care of each other. That's what yeah. we gotta do. Well, it's much appreciated because it's, uh, I, 
and yeah, I drink a lot of water too, so it's so I know. I sh- you would think I would know. I don't know. It's 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 like anything. Yeah. You have to watch some people because yeah. if they get into whatever they're doing, it yeah. could be hours, hours. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to have the first aid. So Monique's rad to have around. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, um, if we're at the trails mm-hmm. and somebody crashes into Maple, the dog, oh, Monique's yeah. probably going to take care of the dog before <laughs> <Right>. the person. <laughs> yeah, it's just a heads up. <laughs> yeah, right, right. There's a hierarchy there with her. <laughs> I'm sure. BM- <laughs> dog BMXers. Uh, that's pretty pretty funny. All right, um, Ray's voyage. He, he uh, him, and I have become good friends. He's from New York, and uh, and helps out the trails that I, I ride when nice. uh, when I'm in New York. He also made that plasma cut, uh, the BMX in our blood thing. Oh, like, shut up! That that was rad. I know. I couldn't. Dude, you're very talented, Ray. Ray is, Very talented. Ray is extremely talented. And he also made the FBM sign. Yeah. And oh, the T1 sign. That's awesome. It, which were uh, Yeah, yeah, off. I remember those. That, yeah. That's awesome, Ray. Yeah. Great it, work. He is really... It's appreciated. Yeah, he's a, he's a really cool guy. Uh, he wanted to know, throughout BMX, there have been some bad trends with the riders like girl dream, jeans and... What is this? I don't know what he means by that, but maybe we can sort this out. Throughout BMX, there have been some bad trends with the riders like girl jeans and narrow, low handlebars. But we'll get right to it then. So, uh, but what do you think has been the worst trend done by a BMX company? That's ultimately the question. Okay. Um, All right. So it's, it's, it's really tough for me. Because I can answer this as a writer, I can answer this as an industry guy. Right. Um, and I got to kind of cover my ass either way. Um, <laughs> All right. I will say, like, dude, if you want to wear girls' jeans, I don't care. Because again, in the '90s, you know, you know, you had a 28-inch waist, but you still bought 36 waist dickies. Like, it, you know, it does. It's all stupid. <laughs> all right. Um, but again, what I what I see is. A trend will start going. The industry mm-hmm. will build that trend up to the point where it gets ridiculous. People had 28-inch wide bars. Uh-huh. Honestly, 26 and a half feels really good, especially if yeah. you're doing a lot of bar spins. So right. then the company started making 26 and a half inch wide bars. Uh-huh. But then the riders knew, well, I got to cut an inch off the each end. So now you got 24 and a half inch wide bars. So then sure. the company started making 24 inch wide bars. Yeah. And it gets ridiculous. So mm-hmm. at some point, the, the worst trend I see is the BMX industry needs to teach the riders what we know. Yeah. In BMX racing, every two years, your kid is on a different size bike, mm-hmm. different size handlebars, stem lengths, crank lengths. That stuff matters. And in the freestyle aspect, they don't teach it. You see some guy at the trails mm-hmm. on a bike with a 12 and a half inch rear end, he's going to die. Right. You see some kid with a 14 and a half inch rear end bike trying to do technical street riding it's not going to work we need to teach that you know i see 10 year old kids with 10 inch tall 30 inch wide handlebars you know mm-hmm. they're practically looking under the crossbar the worst trend <laughs> the worst trend yeah i see industry wise the industry really needs to educate the consumers because it's going to make riding better it's going to sell more product and it's going to be just better all around, you know, for the riders, for the industry, and for the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's my big complaint. 
I listen to people will uh, will listen to. I was just going through these other questions on the phone, so yeah. I apologize. Uh, all right, speaking. I'm, I'm uh, okay. Uh, Malarkey Motorsports forty one thirty. Well, he something about said something about asking uh, about being spanked uh, something at Woodward, and I decided to uh-huh. blow that one off. So I'm gonna leave that one. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you can ask him after. Uh, he said, "When did Ronell become OG Long Guy Land?" Uh, we kind of went over the whole Ronell. Okay, it must be related to that, and like. Yeah. Brooklyn versus Stony yeah. Brook and all. Okay. Yeah. All right. As long as we got that Basically, covered. whatever you can do to take the wind out of his sails is good. <laughs> out of Ron's? Yeah. <laughs> I get, I, I've never been to a Woodward weekend. I, I, Sunday I have to go just to... Just One to, coming up in the spring. I, I got it. I got You're it. in Lake Schwinn. I know. Well, yeah. The balance, my friend. It's The balance is becoming a little difficult. Yeah. Uh, but we'll make it. We'll make it. Uh, let's see. All right, Brant Moore. With Brett being a rep for Sparky's, Joe, can you ask him to speak on how important the people are who are behind the scenes, how important the people are behind the scenes are to BMX? Sales reps, designers, just everyone who isn't directly seen by the general BMX population. That That's an actually rad question. Um, I'm going to talk about Sparky's right now. Mm-hmm. Um, our product guy, his name is Greg Lanthorn, old racer dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, He actually yeah. did uh, the speedball frame because he wanted a race frame, so Sabrosa made a race mm-hmm. frame. Greg is rad. He rides all the time. He's, I follow he's, him. He's, right, he's yeah. racing, but, you know, yeah. he rides parks, cruises around. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah the dude is a rider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's older, mm-hmm. but he's a rider. Um, the quality of the product that he does, mm-hmm. you can see it's his riding. And not just his riding, but he is out there with other riders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've said for years in the industry, the biggest problem with the people in the office is they don't get out of the office. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Greg's out there riding. He sees what people like, what they don't like, what works, what doesn't work. Right. He does really cool product. Mm-hmm. Now, and I bet if, you nobody knows what things he's he's designed yeah, or yeah. Like, I, I've got the utmost respect. I mean, mm-hmm. when I first started with Sparkies, they flew me down, and he and I met, and within five minutes, we're like, dude, we're seeing eye to eye. We're cool. Yeah. And I was like, this is going to be a good company to work for mm-hmm. because our product guy is kick-ass. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, when you get people like Ron Bonner, mm-hmm. Ryan Schur, mm-hmm. really good at feeling the pulse and the vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, when I worked with Haro, Mm-hmm. You know, it's a legendary company in the '80s, man. I had tons of Haro bikes. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had Haro bikes when I got hired by them, sitting in my basement. Like, oh, it's legendary. Like, this is awesome. When I got hired by Sabrosa, I yeah. had two Sabrosa bikes in my basement. Uh, okay. You know, at the time, so I was like, yeah, this is cool. Like, I already like their product. Mm-hmm. But Ronnie and Ryan with with Shadow and Sabrosa, they're really good at feeling the pulse and the trends mm-hmm. and what's in and what's not. And at this age, I'm an old geezer. Like, I can't keep up with it. Like, I have mm-hmm. no idea what a 19-year-old thinks is cool. Sure. You know? Right. And if I do, I'm, I'm completely wrong. Mm-hmm. They're so good at it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they come into product design, development. You know, say, hey, Greg, we want this product. And Greg does such a great job at mm-hmm. it. You know, they pick colorways, advertising, the social media, marketing, promotions. Right. right. That gives 
the brand uh, flavor and a face. Mm-hmm. It makes the brand legit. Yeah. Um, that stuff's huge, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so the people behind the scenes, like Matt Ray, great kid. Mm-hmm. Trey Jones, awesome dude. Mm-hmm. Great riders. But without people like Greg making kick-ass product, right. and without people like Ronnie and Ryan promoting him correctly, mm-hmm. it's just, there's nothing. I, I, you mm-hmm. know, it's really important. And again, you know, I'm just a sales guy. Yeah. And, you know, trust me, some days work is kind of mm-hmm. shitty, but at the end of the day, I go, hey, you know what? I'm helping put kids on bikes. Mm-hmm. So that's an awesome thing. Mm-hmm. And that, that's how I convinced myself that, you know, even though it was a rough day, it was a good day. Right. Um, so I, I think, you know, it, it's really important. It's, there's a lot of people behind every sponsored rider. There's a lot of people behind them. And those guys deserve just as much credit because they've got all the experience and knowledge to mm-hmm. make the products and the brands that we know and love. Yeah. I like it. Uh, and, and Greg is amazing. I always, whenever I hear Greg Lanthorn's name, I always think of, uh, I think it was 80, 86, I think, the World Championships were in Orlando. And he made the main. Did he? And I mean, this, this was like no joke. This was a... Oh, yeah, no, 86 know, racing was serious. Yeah, I mean, it, and it was it was attended. I mean, there were plenty of pros yeah. there, and he made it. And I want to say Sean Newberry made it too, but I could be wrong on that one. But so he was, uh, I, I think, one of the only Americans in the main. I could be wrong, but anyway. Do you realize how, how weird this is that you can have these conversations about amateur racers in 1986, and I know <laughs> who they are, yeah. yet... Like, we could talk about the most obscure Flatlanders, and I know who they are, or, uh-huh. like, the vert riders or the guys that ride Mega Ramp, and I know who they are. Like, yeah. it, it's so weird. Like, yeah. I, years ago, I met Tom Lund, who was one of the mm-hmm. early pioneers of 70s BMX. Oh, okay. Met him at the Joe Kidano Singer premiere. Oh, my God, we had so much fun talking about riding bikes in the 70s. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I wish I had grown up near you, because I would have been the crazy little kid you made, made jump over trash cans. Yeah, right, right. You know, and yeah. it's... it's I love mm-hmm. my holistic experience of BMX. Yeah. Just, I, I paid attention to all this crap. Right, right. I wish I could just monetize it. I know, right, right. <laughs> exactly, right. That's why I'm keeping my day job. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so the Freestyle Connection wanted to know uh, what is meant by elking? Um, that's John Dowker, uh, the Canadian redneck down in Athens, Georgia. Okay. Um, <laughs> Wait, you say Canadian redneck that's in Georgia? Yeah. Wow. All well, right. he's from Canada. Yeah. He became an American citizen, and he yeah, lives yeah. in Athens, Georgia. So he's Canadian, yet he's a redneck. Um, <laughs> that's, that's now, Dowker's Dowker's a really good team. He's got his uh-huh. own team called the Freestyle Connection. Mm-hmm. He's a good flatland rider, just yeah. excellent guy. Um, okay, so in York, we did everything our own way, and that included words. Okay. Um, we had words for every. Um, that were just made up. Elk is one of those mm-hmm. words. Um, so with you know keeping this PG thirteen rated, I'm not going to get into that. Right. right. But um, basically, choice. you know, you go over a set of doubles and slip your pedals, your elk's going to get it. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Good enough. Uh, all right. Uh, Kyle Erickson uh, from Massachusetts. The, Locals are the best, I'm, I'm telling you that, and this guy is one of them. He is just, I don't know, it's what makes BMX fun, 
yeah. and nice and friendly. Uh, yeah, I think people like this, I'm talking to myself really in this one, think about people like him whenever I start to feel a little down or just like, you know, whatever about BMX. Because this guy is living and breathing like just positive, just positive BMX vibes. So thanks, Kyle, for that. Now, I'll give you the question. Brett rules, first of all. And I want to know, what are you looking forward to the most in 2020? Oh. Um, yeah, like, it's tough. I mean, like, I'm looking, right now, I'm looking forward to warm weather. But, uh, yeah. no, just, you know, getting out and, and riding, seeing friends. Uh, every year, I try and think of an old trick that I have forgotten or nobody does anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, hey, let's do that trick. Um, this year for Flatland, I want to get double decades like pretty damn wired. Like I want to be able to like pull it within three tries every time. Cause usually, I mean, the other day I went out for an hour. Say I give it five attempts in a minute. Mm -hmm. Like I went out for an hour and didn't pull one, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. a couple hundred attempts. Mm -hmm. I want to get that trick down. Uh, do a triple decade would be really cool. I want to get comfortable doing backflips again because I mm -hmm. haven't done them on real stuff in a while. Um, you know, again, I'm older and can't afford to get busted up. Mm -hmm. But that's eh, a pretty easy trick. Um, I, you know, if you miss uh, it, then you get out. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I learned them in '95. So, you know, 25 years later, like, yeah, right. it'd be kind of cool to still be doing them. Right, right. So it is. Do, I thought I'll, it was cool. I'll, but you know, I'll do them tomorrow. I think you, uh, uh, you know when to, when to you know, yeah, pull the plug. Um, you know, just, um, you know, I'm looking forward, like I said, just getting out, riding with people. Mm -hmm. You know, personally, like, I, I, you know, set some goals for myself. Um, I haven't done, like, a proper one-handed, one-footed aerial, like left-handed foot off. Same I haven't side. done that in over okay. yeah, like Dominguez used to do. I mm -hmm. haven't done that in over twenty years, yeah. so it'd be pretty rad to do that this yeah. year. I was like, right. that could be my bring back trick for two thousand twenty. So I haven't done one in years, so I'm like, yeah. be kind of cool to do that again. So yeah, you know, I just I just set little goals like that for mm -hmm. myself, and you know, it's just when you got a million years to pick up, like pick up one of your old jumps that you used to mm -hmm. do, bring yeah. that one back for two thousand twenty, Joe. Even if it's just a tire grab. I'm trying. When was no, the last time you I, did a tire grab? I, I never. Well, the only tire grabs I ever did were can can tire grabs. Those well, are the only one. Well, um, that even making it tougher. I want to get that can can one hander to the way I used to do yeah. it because you could. It when we were kids, you could, ex, you yeah. could extend. It seemed like we we extended everything so far. Well, we every had the ninja time. reflexes then. We did, but now I'm trying to do it six inches off the ground. Which doesn't work. <laughs> I gotta find the right jumps, um, or I okay. should say, well, I need okay. to build the, the right jumps. Okay, Here, here's yeah. a word of advice to younger riders: Stop trying tricks. Learn to jump. If you go fast and big, the tricks will just happen. Stop mm -hmm. trying little fly out tricks. Oh, I don't like fly out tricks. Oh my gosh. No, go fast and big, and then yeah. the tricks will just happen. Right, right. Uh, okay, last two questions. Let's see, please, uh, DJ, DJ's mother's is That's the my friend, Derek. Okay. Derek's mother's. Oh, God. Oh, I'm sorry. DJ's mother's got it. Yeah. Uh, people, uh, people ask Brett why he never opened a bike shop. 
Uh, oh, p- I'm sorry. Please ask Brett why you never opened a bike shop. I never wanted to open a bike shop. I um, I started in the bike industry, and people were amazed that I had never even worked in a bike shop. Yeah. I, yeah, like I, I had a friend that owned a shop, and I had helped out a little bit. But I'm like, no, I just went straight from riding into the industry. Um, I don't want to own a bike shop. It's not what I want to do. I worked at one as a kid. It's not good. Well, it's you, just, you never get it, to ride. It, it's a really tough life. You never get to ride. Right. Yep. I mean, I, I'm so happy to see Vic Betancourt here from Circuit. Oh, yeah. Uh, because I know what this means to him. It yeah. means he's out of the shop well, for Well, it's cool because a lot, of, a lot of guys up where we live this mm-hmm. time of year, things really slow down. A lot mm-hmm. of them pack a suitcase, throw their golf mm-hmm. clubs in a bag, and fly down to Florida to play mm-hmm. golf for a week. Right. Vic's here at the wheel mill riding, so guess who the champ is? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Trent Trails, Mike McLaughlin. Uh, this is the last question, and then we'll go to whatever else you want to finish on. This is the big question? Uh, it's a little bit of a reading. Apparently, I'm having a hard time reading things. I keep misunderstanding some of these, and they're written correctly, by the way, so everyone did a great job. And thank you, everyone, for uh, providing a bunch of fun questions that... Uh, that give Brett and I even more to talk about. So the Mike's question is, let's see, there's a certain tag at FDR all about Brett that has never been tagged over and never will be. That's got to feel pretty rad. Can you tell the world about where BDC came from? Uh, and then I'm going to ask the rest of his question after you answer that one. There's right, a couple um, different levels. This. All right, so... What is this tag at FDR? There's a there's a big wall with a, it's painted orange with a an Indian drawn on it. Mm-hmm. It's called the Indian Wall. It's one of the first features FDR had. This Indian has been painted there, and it's built under a highway bridge. Mm-hmm. And the abutment going across, right under the girders, giant letters like six feet tall. It says BDC and beneath it. Don't be a victim. Um, so, which obviously is not the analogy for BDC. Well, it's it's a good rule of thumb: don't be a victim. Yeah, right, um, right. So, years ago, when I first moved down to the Philadelphia area, I met the local fourteen-year-old kids in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and they were into BMX. And you know, I was like this old guy that could ride, and they couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, took them under my wing, rode with them, showed them some things. They showed me things. But my friend Bill is a bit of a maniac; always was. And you know how everybody in BMX would always have their own company. Well, Bill decided that he was going to start a company called BDC, Bikes, Drugs, and Contraband. So I said, wow, what's your company going to be? What are you going to make? Nothing. You going to do t-shirts? No. Stickers? No. Well, what is it? He goes, it's just going to be my company. Trouble. <laughs> Trouble. So that way he could say that he had a company too. But anyway, so when he told us all that he was doing Bikes, Drugs, and Contraband, mm-hmm. Within 36 hours, uh-huh. they quickly realized BDC stood for the Brett Downs conspiracy. <laughs> so they just all used it to bust my balls. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so they went in there one night with a 30-foot extension ladder, drove the truck into the skate park so they'd have something to back the ladder against, mm-hmm. made a giant stencil that was bigger than a sheet of plywood, wow. and put this tag up there <laughs> just so I'd go to FDR and see it and get a laugh. Oh, my gosh. Um, but like I tell people, FDR is my skate park. Well, when you go to FDR, it's the most prominent tag. And you'd be like, that's my name up there. Yeah, right, right. It's my park. Uh-huh. 
But that that's where BDC came hmm. from, and it's the Brett Downs conspiracy. And basically, if you know me, you're in it. Mm-hmm. There you go. I like it. This was, this is a really good one to end on, Mike. Uh, let's see. Can you, uh, well, we just talked about. Can you tell the world where BDC came from? Uh, let's see. Also, you have some really, really talented family members and neighbors that have been in the BMX community for years, and you've certainly been an influence on them. Who have been some of your influences through the years, and who is your BMX influence as of lately? Oh, no, that that's awesome. That's a really good question. Um, first of all, yeah, like when I was young. There was the Plywood Hoods, Kevin Jones, Mike Daly, Mark Eaton, Dale Mitzel, Brian Peters. These were my friends. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate to grow up with a solid riding crew that pushed each other to excel. I moved to Philadelphia, met up with Bob Patchell, mm-hmm. Bill Tiernan, his nephew, or mm-hmm. his cousin Chris Miller, who was a young kid. Yeah. They all grew up racing at Ben Salem Track. Mm-hmm. They were good riders. They got to be very good riders. Like, uh-huh. you know, back in, in the 90s, Bill was in uh-huh. high school. I don't know how he did it, but over like 20-foot doubles, he would do a double pedal, fully X'd up 360 over 20-foot doubles. Like, he was that good. Wow. Um, so I was really lucky to have this other crew, even yeah. though, like, the oldest guys were 13 years younger than me. And then uh-huh. my old school friends, you know, the Ramp Up to John guys, you know, uh-huh. Warren, Wally, um, Gary Pollock, Large Ray, Mark Eaton, mm-hmm. another solid group of just great riding buddies. So, you know, as far as influences, we all have our favorite riders that we liked. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like I wanted to speed jump like Richie Anderson, and I wanted to do one foot of tabletops like Tim Judge. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do wild, crazy shit like Hugo Gonzalez. But, you know, honestly, the people you ride with, mm-hmm. they're your biggest influences. I don't care what you say. Mm-hmm. Um, and fortunately, I've had amazing close friends to grow up riding with and also I've had an opportunity to ride with the best guys in the sport mm-hmm. without a doubt mm-hmm. you know um, I've gotten a chance to ride with almost anybody I mean I rode with Bob Harrell mm-hmm. you know, how many guys can say that like, right. so right. that was cool um, as far as influences today you know again I see people like Rich Bartlett Mm-hmm. out there riding and he's just having a good time and I'm like man I don't feel like riding today and then I look on Instagram and there's Butcher out riding today I'm like god damn it I gotta go um, he's huge there's a Australian flatlander named Nick Watts mm-hmm. guy's incredible never heard of him until a couple of years ago he showed up on Instagram and I was like oh my god this guy should have lived with us in York in the 90s because he was perfect but um so this guy Nick Watts he posts stuff every Friday he posts a, mm-hmm. a weekly riding video Phenomenal riding. Um, so I started posting a lot mm-hmm. on Instagram because I would see guys that I like, James White, Flatlander in England. He would post stuff sporadically, and I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. this is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. You get to see your friends, like even though you're living in different continents so far away, but like you get to see what they did today, you know. So then I started posting, well, hey, this is what I did. Scott Town rode oh, yeah, yeah, every day yeah. for over three years. Right, I remember. Like. That's huge. Yeah. That's you cool. know, yeah, Stephen Hamilton in Ohio mm-hmm. is always finding these crazy spots doing yeah. the coolest stuff. Like, yeah. those guys are influencing me. Um, but it's weird because when I'm out riding, though, I'll think of a trick. And, like, 
if I want to do a foot plan on a quarter pipe, I'm picturing Dave Volker in my head. If I want to mm-hmm. do a double decade, I'm picturing Trevor Meyer in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, if I want to do a G turn, I'm picturing this guy, Kenneth Evans in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, that this is, it's weird. Cause like, it's still the same influences, right. but also like the, the biggest influence, just the people that you ride with on a mm-hmm. daily basis. And you know, that as the riders change, mm-hmm. you know, your influences are going to change. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. But, um, that's good. So now, why don't we uh, switch gears and we'll just go to, to uh, any how you'd like to close it and any any last thoughts. And real quickly before you do that, I want to thank Powers Bike Shop for continuing to sponsor the podcast and making it a, a little easier for me to uh, to put this on for you financially and uh, and have guests like Brett. So thank you, thank you, Chad at Powers and. Uh, and the floor is yours if you want to uh, wrap it up there, Brent. All right. Um, yeah, cool. Well, first of all, I want to say thanks, Joe. Like, this was cool and fun to do, and I hope I didn't bore you guys too much. Um, I'd like to thank, you know, all my riding buddies. They've been huge parts of my life. Monique is awesome. Thank you to her. Uh, thanks for Todd Lyons, John Bolchins, Ron Bonner for giving me a chance. Um, thanks for Matt Hoffman. Did some sales with him. Mm-hmm. John at Eastern hired me. I did some sales for him for a little while between jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thanks for those gigs. That's really cool. Um, and something topical, we just heard a couple of days ago, I just wanted to touch on real quick. Um, FBM's machine shop closing up the doors. It's mm-hmm. It's been, it just happened a couple of days ago. I don't know where you're gonna hear this. Um, Maybe a little later, but it's still important yeah, to, to, um, to mention. I'm good friends with Crandall. Mm-hmm. I'm good friends with all the FBM riders. Um, this sucks. Yeah, the writing was on the wall. But again, where I said earlier, think about who you're giving your money to. Yeah. It really matters and who's giving back to the sport. Um, you know, one thing in life, uh, change is always going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, BMX is going to be the same way. And who knows what fbm is going to be when this podcast comes out or two years from now mm-hmm. but um i just wanted to you know give props to all those guys shout outs um it kind of sucks this is like you know it's not only the machine shop closing but riders are losing their sponsor right, right. which is a drag and mm-hmm. you know and i know it's tough for all those guys mm-hmm. but um just know bmx has got your back mm-hmm. and um to everybody out there riding, if you're riding your bike, you're very important to the sport. And nobody is any more important than anybody else in the sport because we're all out there riding bikes. That's the great leveler. No matter if you're two inches off the ground or 20 feet off the ground, you're contributing to the sport. So, uh, you know, keep it up. Keep riding and see how long you can go. See if you can beat my 50 years that I'm pushing for. <laughs> all right. I'll do it. Yep, sounds good. Excellent. Thank you very much, Brett. That was a good time. I I certainly learned a lot. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Joe. No problem.